This is Roger Penske, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, sponsored by Penske Truck Rental. IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. We are proud and honored to have Penske Truck Rental sponsoring Pit Pass Indy. We will continue to cover the entire NTT IndyCar Series community, and our partner at Penske Truck Rental will help us tell those stories. There are just three races to go in the 2023 NTT IndyCar Series season as the series heads to Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway near St. Louis for the August 27th Bomberito Automotive Group 500. Alex Palou of Chip Ganassi Racing has a huge 101-point lead over teammate and six-time IndyCar champion Scott Dixon and a 105-point lead over Team Penske's two-time IndyCar champion, Joseph Newgarden. Maximum points for each IndyCar race are 54. That leaves a total of 162 points for the final three races. Pelot is in great shape to wrap up the championship before the final race of the season at WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca in Monterey, California on September 10. Pelot can clinch the championship this weekend if he leaves Gateway with a 109-point lead. To do that, he will have to stop Newgarden, who has won four races at the 1.25-mile short oval, including the last three in a row. Dixon is also a former winner, having won a race at Gateway in 2020. Pelot finished 15th and 12th in a doubleheader at Gateway in 2020, 20th in 2021, and 9th in 2022. There are plenty of other stories to follow in IndyCar other than the championship. We'll start by talking to a few of the drivers who hope to finish the season strong in 2023 for various reasons. Marcus Erickson is 6th in the standings, but only 22 points behind 4th place Scott McLaughlin. The winner of the 106th Indianapolis 500 in 2022 is in the final year of a contract with Chip Ganassi Racing. If he doesn't strike a deal with that team, Andretti Autosport appears to be a potential landing spot for Erickson beginning next season. Here's a quick interview I had with Erickson for Pit Pass Indy. I'm a pretty decent singer. Yeah, what are some of your favorite sweet? Uh, I, I bet only, you know a lot of ABBA. Yeah, I only sing ABBA. Dancing Queen, Young and Free, Only, 17. How about Take a Chance on Me? Yeah, that's always a good one. Things seem to be moving in a positive direction for you. 
So how would you assess things this week? Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's been a it's been a season for sure. I think we've been uh, been having a good year for sure. Uh, it's been a while since we were on the podium now, and it's been a while since we won that race in St. Pete. So we we are uh, hungry for that. I think that's uh, fair to say. Uh, I think last time out in Nashville was a tough weekend. We had a lot of issues in in practice and a bad qualifying because of it and then sort of played a bit catch up in the race but had a really strong race day so uh, yeah it's uh, yeah this weekend is a good weekend to have a good race I promised you that I would not pester you about next year <laughs> until August well it's August so now I have to pester you about next year are you very optimistic I'm optimistic I'll be in, in IndyCar for sure yeah um uh, yeah, it's this time of the year. It's no news yet for me. Uh, we're working on it for sure. Uh, I would have liked to have it done, you know, a long time ago, but that's not the case. So, yeah, it's uh, work is ongoing, but nothing is done at the moment. I, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know how it's going to play out. I feel like I feel like every week it's sort of anything can happen, you know, and, and, and yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm going to know next week or in two months time that's sort of the the honest feeling on that yeah currently sixth in the championship ericsson addressed his hopes for moving on up over the final three races yeah i mean i've been six now two years in a row and i think i've been i've been like P4 or P5 before the last race and dropped down to six both times uh, in, in uh, the last two seasons. So I, I would like to be a bit better than six this year. So that's a, that's a good goal. Uh, I think Alex has sort of run away a bit from it, especially from, from me. So yeah, a couple of good races here and uh, top five in the championship. That would be a good end to it. Probably only going to have one road course race in Indianapolis next year instead of two. Is that something you're in favor of? you know, go to a different venue to replace this one? Or or did you like coming here twice? No, I, I am in favor of doing that. I think, you know, always very cool to be here and, and, and race here. But I think, you know, doing the road course and the 500, I think it's, I, I would prefer to go somewhere else here in August and do another oval uh, would be my ideal scenario. You know, another, get another oval instead of a second race of the, in the road course. That would be, if I had to pick, that would I what I would do. No, but I've heard about it. I, I'm all, all for it. Let's, let's go. I mean, we need to figure out how to beat Joseph because he seems to win every <laughs> single oval. So that, that makes it a bit boring. But, you know, far from that, I, I love going to the ovals. Milwaukee's been on the schedule for so long that Chip actually raced in Milwaukee. Oh, really? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Another driver from Sweden is 2022 Indy Next champion Linus Lundqvist. He has filled in for Simon Pagano at Meyer Shank Racing the past two races at Nashville and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course and has looked pretty good for a newcomer. Lundqvist makes his IndyCar Oval debut this weekend at Gateway as Pagano continues to deal with lingering effects from his crash at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course on July 1st. Here is a quick hit with Lundquist for Pit Pass Indy. Yeah, 
obviously winning the championship last year, I think people kind of had an idea what I could do, but they were never really sure until, and you never really know until you get put in the hot spot in, in one of the big cars. But I like to think with the preparations that we had going into it, limited as they were, we did uh, we did really good, and I'm very happy and proud of the weekend. Obviously, a sad end to it, but the overall performance I was very very proud of. Yeah, no, it was great, great to hear both from him and obviously um, Felix reached out as well and a couple of other guys, which was which was very nice. And obviously, it's kind of good to see the recognition from so established drivers like themselves and kind of see that you know what you actually did a very good job and you should be happy with that and i think as well they they know the feeling of putting a car in the wall and the disappointment that you as a driver feel because of that so to kind of reach out and help me get through it is definitely nice but from a whole start to finish weekend you had to be very satisfied with the way you started out in your first practice you made the fast 12 and you got up to seventh in the race so how satisfying was that until you hit the wall with nine to go. Yeah, no, like I said, it was a dream weekend from from start to f start to finish, but it finished nine laps earlier than it should have. Um, but I was super happy. I mean, going into FP1, neither FP1, neither me or the team kind of knew what to expect. So then to be kind of on on pace straight away, and then FP2 being rained out didn't help us, and then final practice being cancelled also didn't help us. So going into the race, I'd never done a live pit stop, for example. So there were a lot of hurdles during the race that I think, you know, having that experience is just going to help us now. Christian Lungard drives the number 45 High V Honda for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing and is eighth in the championship. He scored his first career IndyCar win in the Honda Indy Toronto on July 16 after Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing had to make some organizational changes following the Indianapolis 500. I asked Lungard if that was a reason for the team's recent success. Not, not really, not really. If you, if you look at it, how strong we were at Barber, um, I, I don't think it's post-Indy or, or post-May. We were on the pole before, Indy 500 as well. Um, sure, we've across the board been stronger since, um, but I think there was glimpses of, of our general performance before that and, and we've, we've just managed to execute more afterwards and we need to understand why we... Uh, quite literally sucked at uh, at Detroit, especially because the next street circuit we went to, we won. Um, and I, I think that's a, an unanswered question right now in terms of why we struggled so much at Detroit. Because um, it didn't it didn't really seem to matter if it was Belle Isle or downtown Detroit. It was pretty much the same result. I also asked Lungard about his goals for the remainder of the season. I mean, it's always a goal. Uh, I would say the, the goal is now impossible to reach, uh, with, with Alex obviously leading uh, by that much. And, and it's, it's, it makes sense. I mean, we're just purely not competitive enough on, on ovals, and, and we need to sort that out uh, to, to be able to fight higher in, in a championship. What does somebody from Denmark think of NASCAR? Bumper cars, <laughs> I guess. I mean, that's that's the, obviously how I, I grew up seeing it. And I guess in, in, in Europe in general, you don't really know that they do road courses. Um, and I, I think uh, NASCAR is also known, known for within from this 
the fans perspective of, of, of bumper cars you know you think that the fans normally obviously come to see the, the, the people that win but they also want to see the, the excitement that happens when a car spins around as a racer that came from a formula background are you intrigued by any of these just how loud and how bulky they are no not not at all um, personally I, I don't I don't follow sports cars I don't necessarily have a high interest in, in racing sports cars if, if my formula career fails um, I mean sure I would, I would like to do the, the big endurance races because it only improves you as a driver uh, have, having those experiences um, and hope, hopefully win some of those as well Another driver who's had a fine season is two-time race winner Kyle Kirkwood of Andretti Autosport. He explains why at this stage of the season, he is taking a winner-else attitude over the final three races. Kind of. That was, that was like a, a, joking, a jokingly... Uh, thing that that brian said i think it was at detroit or toronto whatever it might have been we were like well we're kind of in a position now where we're not going to win the championship uh so do we care if we finish seventh or eleventh in points like no we should probably just start going for race wins now you know and and start proving that we're a race winning caliber team and, and a championship contending team based on race wins because that's all polo does is win races so we need to do that too We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. 
Hey, everybody, this is Joseph Newgarden, winner of the 107th Indianapolis 500, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Welcome back to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. We were honored to spend some time with Walt Zarnicki, the vice chairman of Team Penske and the executive vice president of the Penske Corporation for an in-depth interview. He has been one of Roger Penske's most trusted advisors in both the business world and in racing. Here is my exclusive interview with Penske Corporation Executive Vice President and Vice Chairman of Team Penske, Walt Zarnicki, for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, it's an honor to bring the vice chairman of the Penske Corporation on. It's Walt Zarnicki. Walt, we're here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Place got to be a little more special to anybody in the Penske Corporation now that Roger Penske is the owner. What's it like being back here, and how is it different now that your company is the owner of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Well, uh, as you probably don't know, Bruce, I came here for the first time in 1960 with my father to my first race. He came here in 1934 for his first race. So this has always been special in our family long before I met Roger Penske. Didn't miss any of the Indianapolis 500s. It was a tradition in our family for sure. So then getting associated with Roger here over 50 years ago, this was, of course, a very important part of our racing, winning here 19 times, and then acquiring the Speedway here four years ago was a huge difference. I think it's something that Roger always wanted to do, and the opportunity presented itself this place has always been special to me personally, and certainly more so now with our ownership of, of the Speedway and, and the NTT IndyCar Series. How much has this been a passion project for Roger? In many ways, he's well into his 80s, but yet this place has given him a lot to focus on, a lot of vigor. How much do you think that this has really rejuvenated Roger Penske? Well, I don't know that he needed rejuvenation, but I think that with the growth of our company in so many other areas, when this opportunity presented itself, it's something that he always wanted to do and uh, probably never thought the opportunity would, would present itself. And when it did, he's dove in, I mean, he dove in like he has with everything else with both feet. So I don't know if it's rejuvenation, but rather uh, a second wind might be a better way to put it. But he's, he's here a lot. His, his presence is here with the team. Uh, I think if you look at the facility, if people saw before and after, uh, they'd see that there's been a tremendous visual difference in terms of, in terms of the appearance of the track, the, the whole facility, the guest amenities, and the presentation of the programs. And that's all Roger's hand. A better question may be how much has Roger Penske rejuvenated the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Well, that's, that's probably a better. That's probably a better way to put it. Not that, of course, this is this is a, an American institution for sure. I think Roger has had a lot to do with, I think we're seeing an upward trajectory in IndyCar racing overall. And certainly with the 300,000 people we had here this past Memorial Day, it's, it's back, to the, back to what it was. And, and I think, and I really think that what really, the pandemic probably was in some respects, probably a good thing in terms of the work that had to be done here at the Speedway, that we did, just didn't dive right in. So over a period of two years, so when Memorial Day came around this past year, or this past season, uh, we were ready to go. So, but again, without his, without his hand, uh, I'm not sure what would have happened. 
your first Indianapolis 500 was 1960, and ironically, Roger Penske was here that day as a spectator. He always seemed to be the guy that would be, he would find, he was friends with Eddie Sachs. He was on the starting road with Eddie Sachs that day. Do you find a little irony there that the two of you were both at the Indy 500 that day, and it would be, what, 12 years later before you were really working with him? That's, it was actually, it was actually about, let's say, 1960. Yep, it was... uh, about nine years later, about 10 years later, right. And of course, we've been here as a competitor since 1969, Team Penske has. But I've never really reflected on it that way. I, I have reflected on the fact of this of this uh, parallel experience and that he came here for the first time in 1951 with his father. And I came here in 1960 with my father. In fact, he and I have talked about it, uh, that, that parallel. How did your love of the Indianapolis 500 and your father's uh, love of it begin? Well, it began when he was a young, just became as, as a young man. He actually came here with some friends, as I said, in 1934. He knew nothing at all about it. He just got bitten by the bug. Of course, World War II came along and there weren't any races. And then shortly after the war, my dad developed a friendship with a, a fellow in Detroit. His name was Joe David, who was a, who was a midget car racer. He would, go to the, he would go to the races at the old Motor, old Motor City Speedway with, with this fellow, Joe, Joe David, when he ran. He took me as a kid. And so when I was uh, of an age, at that point, I think I was 15 years old, 16 years old, he said, okay, you're old enough to go to the 500. And that's how it all began. And, and to my dad's dying day, I think one of the proudest moments for me personally is shortly before he passed away, uh, he was able to come here to the 500 with me, and we were part of a winning team. And so that meant a lot to him. How did you get involved with Roger Penske? Uh, I met Roger in 1968. I was working for American Motors Corporation. I was uh, in their uh, retail marketing group, but also had oversight of their racing program where they were racing in the Trans Am and the NASCAR Grand American Series. That was my responsibility, running that program. And so actually our teams competed against each other in the late 60s. And then in 1969, we were able to attract Penske Racing to represent American Motors in the Trans Am Series. Roger and Mark Donahue... And it was at that time that we started working together in late 1969, early 1970. He said, I have an opportunity. I'm starting to build this company. And uh, would you have any interest in coming along and helping? And I said, well, I was 25 years old at the time. I had a wife and a, a pregnant wife and uh, said, well, if I'm going to take a chance, this might as well be the opportunity to do it, the time to do it. And I did. What was uh, young Roger Penske like? I imagine he was probably... It stood on the gas as hard as he did then, if not harder than he probably does now. There's not a whole lot of difference in terms of in terms of his vision, in terms of his foresight, in terms of his his ability, his work ethic, uh, his ability to attract people, uh, his management style. Not a lot has changed in 53 years, Bruce. Really, the corporation's gotten a lot bigger. Obviously, when when I joined the company, there were about 200 people. We had one car dealership, four truck leasing locations. And we had a, a race team with about 10 or 12 employees. That was the, that was the company. It, it's just now been, a matter, now been a matter of scale. But in terms of, of, his, of his commitment to the company, its people, the businesses that we're in, hasn't changed at all. When you started with Penske, it was based in, was it still based in Newtown Square, no, Pennsylvania? Well, the, the race team was based in Newtown Square, but Roger and I were actually based in Detroit. That's where our headquarters was and still is today in suburban Detroit. He was always ambitious at that time in the stage of his racing career. Not only was he involved in NASCAR the first time, 
but also had a Formula One team and an IndyCar team and a Can-Am team. And there That's was a right. lot going on out of that race shop. It was the six-car garage in Newtown Square. Uh, how they did it all, I don't know. I, uh, in fact, it's funny. I was talking to some people about it uh, very recently at that very point, uh, how, how they shuffled all the cards and got 52 and made sure that everything worked and, and very successful at the time. And then subsequently, of course, moved to moved to Reading in the in the in the 70s, the early 70s. A lot of people may look at Roger Penske as the corporate leader that he is, uh, has his own corporate jet, flies all over. But in the beginning, there was a lot of times where he was in a station wagon going race to race. Tools were in the back. And sometimes some of the races, I imagine, he probably slept in the station wagon. I don't think there was any question about it. In fact, one of our very first transporter haulers, they used to call it the Hilton, the Rolling Hilton, because people slept in it. Mark Donahue and, and Roger did as well. And to this day... No one works any harder in the company as well, regardless of, regardless of what the task might be. Now, not only are you involved with Penske Racing, you're also involved with the Penske Corporation, right. one of which is our sponsors, Penske Truck Rental. Right. When you see the growth of Penske Truck Rental to become the leading truck rental company in the United States, if not the world, how do you describe the rapid ascension and of the history of Penske Truck Rental? Well... First of all, we're happy to support your, your podcast and your, and your broadcast, for sure. Uh, the company was a, was a regional truck rental and leasing company through the late 70s and early 80s, primarily in the northeastern U.S. Uh, when the association began with Hertz in 1982, we bought all the Hertz truck locations, truck leasing locations around the country. That gave us a, that gave us a, a national footprint that we hadn't had before. We were working toward that and building toward that, but that was... Almost overnight, we became a national company. And from that, just our same policies of having the best products at the best prices and our people taking care of our customers to the best of their ability, uh, that's the secret That's the secret sauce for us. And so it's, it's worked. And how proud are you when you come into a place like the Indianapolis 500 and you see all the Penske truck rental trucks that are used for the the vendors, the catering crews, the people like that to get souvenir sales, get things in and out of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, because obviously the month of May is very important for the corporation. Well, it's true not only at Indianapolis, it's true at a lot of the other places we go as well. But again, that's one of the secrets, I think, of how we built our race team and how we built our companies, this business-to-business -business relationship with companies. Again, just because the name is Penske doesn't mean that it's an automatic. We still have to perform for our customers for those reasons I just articulated in terms of the people, the product, and the pricing. And as long as we do that and they're satisfied, they're going to continue to do that. And we expect our customers to do that. And one of the great common threads between Team Penske and Penske Truck Rental is you're going to get a professional operation, a clean vehicle managed. The showrooms are spotless, just like the race shop in Mooresville, North Carolina. Right. Exactly, exactly right. So whether it's, whether it's a, a truck rental location in Speedway, Indiana, or it's one of our dealerships in California, the experience for the customer in that context has got to be absolutely the very best. I did an interview one time with Penske Corporation President Bud Danker, and he described uh, working at the Penske Corporation as saying, it's not for everyone, but if you can work long, hard hours and, and you have a drive, a team attitude, you can achieve some great things. How do you describe what it takes to be Penske material? Well, first of all, that's uh, what Bud said is, is, is absolutely accurate. I've said that, I've said that for years. Uh, our company is not for everybody. 
sometimes people come into the company and they're not comfortable. And for whatever reason, that's okay. Our culture is not everybody's, not everybody's culture. But uh, Roger said from the very beginning, 50 years ago when we, when we began, you don't have to have a Harvard MBA to be successful in our company. You just have to be willing to work hard. Yeah, again, you have to know what you're doing. You have to know your product. But we're not, we're not, we're not curing cancer. Uh, and I'm not demeaning any, any, anything that our 60,000, 70,000 associates are doing around the world. We're renting trucks. We're leasing trucks. We're keeping them clean. We're selling cars. We're servicing cars for our customers. A pretty fundamental stuff. Uh, so, again, you don't have to have an Harvard MBA to do these things. Certainly, I'm not a Harvard MBA. And as like Roger says, he's not a Harvard MBA either. But we focus on what we do. We keep our eyes on the ball. And we all work pretty hard to, again, satisfy our customers and have the best products available for them. And also the uh, Roger Penske believes in multitasking even before that word was probably <laughs> ever created. Correct. That's, that's right. Uh, uh, but one of the things Roger is, has, I think, really excelled at is he's a great delegator of authority. Uh, there are those people who might think that, that things are done unilaterally in our company. They're not. Roger's very collegial in the way he does things. He, he, he uh, secures other people's opinions. He solicits their opinions. He takes them into, into account. But if he knows that you know your job better than anybody else, you go ahead and do it. Early on, 53 years ago, I'll never forget when there was just a small group of us in the management of the company, five or six. And he said one day, he said, you know, you play the piano, I play the drums, Bruce over here plays the guitar, you know, Fred over here plays the, plays the banjo and somebody else plays the clarinet. You're all very good at your specific task. But once a month, we get together and make music. So we're trying to make music every day now in this company with, again, Roger's ability to, to meld all these people together, their tasks, I mean, their, their, their specific skill sets and the accomplishment of their tasks. Speaking of making music, he was also among the first to understand the value of the business-to-business -business relationship when it comes to sponsorship. And now that is a vital sponsorship model for any team involved in racing. Correct. And we've got... We're fortunate because as we built our company with our with our partners, uh, and again, Roger's never been afraid to have partners in, in business. We've had General Motors in business. We've had Hertz as a business partner. We've had GE over the years to help grow the business. Uh, and again, if we can provide a service to one of our sponsor partners, uh, they become a name on a race car. But it's more than a name on a race car. It's a true it's a true partnership. And Shell's a great Shell's a great example of that. But again. Shell realizes if they didn't have the very best products at the, at the right prices, we wouldn't be very attractive. Conversely, we've got to be able to provide it exactly the value they get. I like to say that for our sponsor partners, that we, Penske, are obliged to provide $5 in value for every dollar they invest with us. And that's our mantra. That's a pretty good return on investment. Speaking of multitasking, if you could describe your role as vice chairman at the Penske Corporation. Oh, gosh. So for 53 years, I think, I've, I think I've done just about every job there is to do in the, in the company right now. So I'm actually involved in everything that, that we're involved in. Uh, of course, racing is a, is a primary love of mine, as is, as is our retail automobile business. Anything to do with, with our company I've been involved in, whether it's, it's truck rental and leasing, retail auto, probably more time in retail auto and racing than anything else, but still involved in everything we've done over the years. Detroit Diesel, that's, a, that's another story unto itself. Now, if you could describe your role with Team Penske, 
most of your time is spent with the NASCAR operation, but you are involved uh, with the Indianapolis 500 and certain other IndyCar races. But if you could describe your role with Team Penske. Uh, I would say that my role is is more of of advisory, a kind of a senior manager. Uh, People will bounce ideas off me, whether it's personnel issues, whether it's uh, I don't profess to be a race engineer. I'm not. Uh, but in terms of our overall presence in the sport, uh, that's that's my responsibility. I have, I have run race teams, so I, under- I understand what it takes to do. But we've got a great team uh, with, led by Tim Sindrick, but on the NASCAR side specifically by Travis Geisler, who is our competition director. Uh, if there are any, any major issues that have to be addressed, I'm in touch with those guys every single day. How important was it to give Roger Penske the victory in the Indianapolis 500 four years after he bought the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? Why wasn't it three years after? <laughs> or he'll say, why wasn't it the next year? Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Everyone is important. Uh, Bruce, I know that right now we're walking around with a Speedway credential that has the numeral 19 on it, which is an all-access credential here at the Speedway. Uh, uh, Yesterday, uh, Roger and I and Len and Eddie Wood were talking, and uh, Len Wood said, well, Roger, I want to come back here next year and have a 20 on it. So we're always looking forward, always looking ahead. Well, I know that that is his goal and his dream is to win 20 Indianapolis 500s, and it motivates him. As I said, the man is in his mid-80s, and time catches up with all of us. He seems to be very good at outrunning the clock, though. Well, he's also very realistic about things. And he's, I think, like all of us, as we get older, we get a little bit wiser. And he, he does things in a, in, a measured, in a measured kind of a way as, as he should. But as long as he's got the energy, as long as he's got the mental acuity, he's going to keep doing what he's doing. And he should. And also, uh, we see his son, Greg Penske, more involved with a lot mm-hmm. of the racing operations. Of course, Bud Danker is very involved, the president of Penske Corporation. Yeah. And like I said, not only are these people involved with running the world's greatest racetrack, but right. they're also involved with running a major corporation. They, they've got other, other responsibilities within our company. That's, that's absolutely right. But we've got a great management team, whether it's the truck run and leasing company, whether it's Penske Automotive Group. Uh, well, it's a Team Penske, led by, led by Tim Sendrick. I mean, we've got a great management team of men in their 40s, men and women, I should say, men and women in their 40s and 50s who've already been with the company 20 or 25 years. Michael Nelson, who's our vice president of Team Penske, just celebrated his 25th anniversary with the team. And that's another hallmark of our company. We want to have, have longevity among the employees. Uh, Roger has a, has a favorite saying, we want our company to be difficult to get into, but more difficult to leave. In other words, create an environment where you're, where you're satisfied, where you're fulfilled, while still making a meaningful contribution to the company. And how are you and the other members of senior management able to compartmentalize, this needs to be done this day, this needs to be done this time on this day, with all the various different companies you're involved in? That's a great question. I think it's being, being fully immersed in everything that you're doing to have that understanding of what needs to be prioritized and what needs to be compartmentalized. It becomes a matter of prioritization. And I think Roger operates the same way. And it's a, it's a, it's a trait that I've learned from him early on when we were both young men in our 20s. I would see that he had this great ability. And so I try to train myself to be able to do the same thing. Uh, in other words, uh, you know, I put this broom away in this closet and I don't come back to till next Thursday, but I remember where I put the broom. Well, it's Maybe that's a simple analogy, but that's the way we do things. Uh, 
but stay focused on what you're doing. Obviously, you're always looking forward. Uh, this year, it's going to be pretty tough to catch Alex Pillow. There's only three races left, and it's, Joseph Newgarden it's is a now. Pretty steep, it's a pretty steep hill, yeah. He's now third, 105 points back, right. and max points for each race is 54. Right. So the numbers don't look good. But there's always next year, and you've got very good drivers in the NTT IndyCar Series with Joseph Newgarden, two-time champion, two-time champion Will Power, and Scott McLaughlin. They're all Indianapolis 500 winners except for Scott McLaughlin. And don't count him out too soon. And no one's counting him out. Well, no, he's definitely going to be a star for the future, that's for Correct. sure. But the future next year, I know that this will only motivate the team even more for 2024. It, it certainly will. It, it's really a disappointment in, in one sense. To, you win the Indianapolis 500 and you say you're disappointed. Well, the goal is really the championship too. And I know no one feels any worse than Joseph, but he's not going to quit. But it's our responsibility as team ownership and team management to provide Scott McLaughlin and Will Power and Joseph Newgarden with absolutely the best equipment and with the best financial and material resources that we can to help them as we go into 2024. I know that you've got a lot going on. I really appreciate you stopping by and chatting with us. We'll pick this conversation up again at another time. I hope but so. Penske Corporation Vice Chairman Walt Zarnicki. Good luck the rest of the NASCAR season. Good luck the rest of the IndyCar season. Good luck in Penske Corporation's business endeavors. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. You're welcome, and thank you for having me, Bruce. Pleasure. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. We want to thank our guest, Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing, Linus Lundquist of Meyer Shank Racing, Christian Lungard of Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, Kyle Kirkwood of Andretti Autosport, and Walt Zarnicki, the Executive Vice President of the Penske Corporation and Vice Chairman of Team Penske, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And because of our guests and listeners, Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, is proud to be the winner of the best podcast by the National Motorsports Press Association. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.